Hey, Typology Tribe, Ian Morgan Cron, welcome to the show on which we explore the mystery of the human personality through, through the, the lens, lens of, of the, the Enneagram. Enneagram. I'm here with my friend, guru, handler, Anthony Skinner. <laughs> Ian Cron, how are you doing? Man, I'm, I'm doing well. You know why? Tell me why. Because it's holiday time. It is holiday time. Tell the people about where we were uh, this past Sunday. Man, we went to the city of Franklin's Christmas tree lighting in the square. Woohoo! It was something, wasn't it, man? It was awesome. I got sick eating the kettle corn, though. Oh, man, that kettle corn smelled so good. And fake snow. Oh, had some flurries. A lot of fake Kids snow. Kids running around. Yeah, it was awesome. Right? Oh, uh, and singing all the carols around the tree. Oh, and there were, the Come place on. was it's packed. Like, yeah, it's what? It's been voted like the number one small town in America, I think. And it was pretty much the quintessential small town experience. It was, man. Yeah. You know, my only problem is, you know, but let me ask you a question. Yeah. All right. So, what is your. What did your grandmother used to get you for Christmas every year? Because <laughs> I was just thinking about this the other day because I came across one. What did your grandmother used to give you every year at Christmas? Okay, every year I got socks, but not just any sock. I got tube socks. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the ones with like the little rings, yeah. like the, like the yes. little striped rings yes. around them? Yeah, seventies, nineteen. I mean, do, can you? I don't even know where she. How did she even find them? Right? I, I don't know. <laughs> so, what did your grandmother get you? Okay, well, every year, my dearly departed grandmother used to buy me a velour pullover sweatshirt. No. Yeah, made of velour. No. Yes, I'm not kidding you. No way. I never, I promise, I don't think I ever wore it once, except when she made it try, made me try it on in for front the of pictures, her. For, for the pictures, for the Christmas pictures. Totally. Yeah. There are pictures of me out there in sage oh, green velour. Word. But I did, I can tell you this about velour. Velour, nothing will apply turtle wax to your car like velour. <laughs> it's soft, it won't scratch, it's... I mean, it's hard to find creative gifts. The tube socks made great rags. You can right? just slide your hand right in there. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> wax on, wax off. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. So it is hard to, I mean, I personally, let's face it, it's hard to find creative gifts, right? It is. Well, and speaking of creative gifts. Right. Let's talk about what we're drinking out of right now. What? Yeah, let's talk yeah. about what we're drinking out of. So I, I got excited a couple of weeks ago with some uh, folks that I work with. And I, I was trying to think of ways that we could kind of like share the gift of the Enneagram, like yes. with, you know, with your family, with friends, with your coworkers and stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I did is I I created um, a bunch of like coffee mugs. Right? We're holding them right now. We're holding them right now. Here, give me a yeah. cheers. Boom. Let's slurp on the Let's mic for me. Here we go. Mm. Mm. And they work too. They work really well. They're not like really well. they're not like So anyway, these are Enneagram coffee mugs, right? So one comes like in black and white. It's got the number, the name of your type, right? In a cool design. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one, right? That's more of a uh, a colorful, you know, vine scroll thing, you know. But here's the cool thing. Like personally, like for me, yeah. right? I'm going to buy um, one of each of these mugs mm-hmm. for every member of my family. I mean, like a friend of mine last Christmas sent me a picture of he and his whole family holding up copies of our book with one hand and then they got like 10 kids. Uh-huh. And then in the other hand or hands, you know, however they did it, they were showing what their number, their was, number was, right? So I was like, well, man, what if they had coffee mugs? They could all be walking around with their coffee mugs with their number and the name of their type on it. And 
We have the coolest Enneagram t-shirts Come on. ever. I love it. Right? And this one, the one we're, we're going to be re- releasing more in the future, but this one just says like Enneagram in a cool box on the front of a black shirt and white. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's totally, I'm still Very, about very it. cool. It yeah. is very cool. So here's the deal. Yeah. This is for like friends, family, you know, like your coworkers, a team of people. At work. When can we get it? Right now, Buster. <laughs> That's what I want to know. Yeah, man. When can I get my shirt? If you want to get one of those under your, and it's not in velour. It's just nice plush cotton, right? right okay, right. so it you can put it in your stocking. You can put it under the tree. You can do whatever you want with them. But if you go to www.iancron forward slash shop, you can buy one of those Enneagram-themed mugs with your numbers on it and on. whatever else for your family, friends, co-workers. Um, you know, it, seriously, it's a fun gift. Super fun. It's awesome. A, it's a fun gift. Hang on gift. just a second. Oh. Uh, click yeah, oh. oh, look, they didn't break. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Ooh, that's sturdy ceramic oh, wear. That's good. Ooh, that's good. That'll beat a velour pullover that's sweatshirt good. any day yeah. of the week. Oh, yeah. God bless you, Grandma. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hey, I am so excited for our show today. Yeah. Do you know who's on? Tell us who. It is my dear friends, David Dark and Sarah Mason. And with no further ado, shall we get to it? Let's do it. All right. Here's my interview with my dear friends, David Dark and Sarah Mason. Sarah Mason, David Dark, welcome to Typology. Thank, Thank you. you. Glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I have been I have been looking forward to this. The last time I think we saw each other was at Lady Lodge. We did an artist retreat together and it was a shimmering weekend for me. For us too. Yes. Yeah. We absolutely. talked about it a long time after. We did. We took it home with us. Yes, we did. Sarah, do you know when I fell in love with you as a human being? I mean in an appropriate way, David. <laughs> uh, do you know when I fell in love with you? Is when you said at one point, you just exclaimed is the right word, aloud. I can't remember why. Hurry up and matter. <laughs> <laughs> that is a Sarah Mason original right there. Oh yeah. my gosh. Do you know that's like the best book title I've heard? Oh gosh. Like ever. It was like hurry up and matter. This yeah. is wildly nashville what a nashville thing to say right maybe i guess i don't know but it's uh it's in the uh same tradition as sweat into the old days maybe too i don't know (laughs) (laughs) hurry up and matter (laughs) so good well we have uh david you are an enneagram nine yes so you are an enneagram six a phobic six right yes probably (laughs) right yep okay so you know the difference between a phobic and a counterphobic six uh, no, tell me the difference. Oh, okay. So uh, the phobic six is the one that's actually in touch with their fear and anxiety, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, so they're really cognizant of it. Like they they know I'm a fear-based person for sure. <laughs> oh, right? yeah. Then that's me. <laughs> so the counterphobic six is a fear-based person who doesn't know Ooh. they're a fear-based person. They're actually out of touch with their fear. So you get instead of Woody Allen, a phobic six, right. you get George Carlin. Who uh, the comedian George Carlin? Did you ever uh-huh. watch George yeah, Carlin? Yeah, yeah. Who was aggressive, and so and always trying to take down the man, the authority figure of the man, you know, or, or religion, taking down religion or whatever it was. Everyone's right. out to get you. So there was mm-hmm. that paranoid, you know, unhealthy six loyalist devil's mm-hmm. advocate mm-hmm. thing going right. on. And um, <clears throat> but they're often confused with eights. Ooh, counterphobic sixes like. 
a lot of people will say, I'm not going to say what my opinion is, they'll say Donald Trump is an eight. But mm-hmm. others will say, uh-uh, he's a counterphobic six. Mm-hmm. And so that's a very, one day maybe we'll have that conversation on the show about, you know, mm-hmm. is our president, if I dare, to go to go there uh, to discuss uh, whether that's whether the uh, aggression we can all agree that we yeah. have an aggressive president I don't think anybody would say we don't mm-hmm. um, he's certainly not you know uh, Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. you know what I mean uh, soft spoken nine uh, but you've got a guy that uh, you can't tell is it is it a fear based aggression or is it an anger based aggression hmm. that's the difference yeah Hmm. Fascinating, I think. Six. I yeah, love sixes. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> I have such an affection for sixes. And it's very interesting to me. Maybe you can help me understand this. I often have sixes and ones tell me, I wish I wasn't a six. Okay. Why do you think that is? Why are some sixes like, I don't want to be a six? Well, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of parts of myself that I'm trying to become better friends with, right? But sure. I don't think um, it's the... Sixiness of me. <laughs> it's very interesting. I think some sixes. Maybe maybe it's because we think there are more sixes than any other type. Now I've heard that, but I I would think just a four would be bothered by that. Like there's a ton of sixes in the world. I mean, unless you meant it in kind of like, ah, hey, you're no big deal. I think no, everybody's really important, but I, no, they do because but they, sixes believe that. The, sixes believe it. Oh, okay. Sixes are the ones who are more like, oh, I didn't want yeah. to be a six. Well, we were talking. We were just talking the other night. We had. There was this period in our lives where we were reading. Was it? How do, I never know how to pronounce her name. Pema Chodron. Pema Chodron, yeah. the okay. Buddhist, Tibetan yeah. Buddhist right. teacher. She's and there wonderful. was a book called "The Places That Scare You." Oh yes. So and good. in that book, I think it was that book. Mm-hmm. The question was, "What is the one thing that you're sure of more than anything, and what's the one thing that you're afraid of?" Right. Mm. I mean, they're great questions, anyways, to yes. just kind of start a good conversation with yourself and the people you love. And um, one of my, we were asking each other this last night on our walk, like, well, what would you say now kind of thing? Um, and I, I mean, there's a, it's not, it's not like the one and the only, sometimes that's not helpful, but one that is one of my sure things is that everybody's really important. Um, maybe not a totally sustainable belief all the time for me because I get annoyed with people and myself and all that kind of stuff. But, but so I wonder if that's why I don't think of it as like a, you know, a bad thing to be a six. Cause I think everybody's kind of important, right? To it, if you can be yourself fully wherever you are, that's like such a gift. Like that's the goal totally. in the culture, right? For your yeah. one little life in this one little time period or something and and what you just kind of articulated so beautifully this is one of the reasons i'm so happy you're both on this show because Mm -hmm. you're so articulate about things of the heart and of the mind which is a rare combination and people usually they're a little more fluent in one language than the other and i love the fact that the two of you seem to be equally strong in both arenas but you know these are the sixes are called the loyalists sometimes the devil's advocate um and because of their ability to see what could go wrong uh, yeah, right. in a plan at any given moment mm-hmm. and are seem to when they're not very aware self-aware they blurt it out you know like oh boy if we do that and it kind of like can deflate the room if it's a big dream plan right, right? kill joy right yeah. can be they can yeah. be a wet blanket if they're not careful mm-hmm. if they're not doing their work you know, yeah, and, and sort yeah. of able to monitor and self-regulate that impulse at times, mm. you know. Um, but you all are, are such community-oriented people, and you're so 
not just loyal to other people and institutions or churches or you know communities. Mm-hmm. You also are um, so encouraging and nurturing of other people. You you love to I think um, sometimes at your own expense, but hold other people up to become their best and who they are and succeed. And because you want everybody to win. I, I do. I think that's so beautiful about success. Wow, that is a really nice thing to say. I hope I hope I am doing that. It could be just a survival mechanism, though, right? Like, if everybody does their part, then we'll survive. Well, <laughs> Which is not very, you know, mm. that doesn't, I mean, that has its own whatever. But, but I, I hear what you're saying, and thank you, Ian. That's really Yeah, kind. I mean, you know, I... Uh, I uh, that that is my phone ringing. Oh, oh good! And it sounds like a sounds, FaceTime. I you, bet you it's like. Should we FaceTime of, uh, someone yeah, we'll on the podcast? I totally want to know who this is. Let's do so this. So we can put them on FaceTime. Yeah. Oh, it's a sales call. I know oh, it is. Oh, yeah. golly, I hate that. Well, they're important is. too. Ah, they're important too. <laughs> they're important. I was hoping it was one of my kids FaceTiming, and we could have oh, we could have we could have drug them on the show. We've had them on before, and they were fantastic. Now. David, you are a nine. Yeah. You are a sometimes the most often they're called the peacemakers. Yes. Sometimes the mediators, mm. which is a, a nice um, uh, quality. Uh, as is loyalist, you know. And as but you, as you were alluding to, Sarah, you know, we any of these um, types when when they're when we rely on them too much when we're too attached when our grip on this way of being in the world is too strong right it then begins to invert right on itself it's like you know this from being a theology and mm-hmm. professor that's like in say is it incurvatus say when you bend in on yourself it was a okay, yeah. so that's his thing you almost like the type gets you to bend in on yourself and it kind of becomes your fixation you know yeah. right. it becomes the ring Yes. You know, wasn't there like a face of godness? Yes. part of the mm-hmm. whole thing. I I loved that part of the enneagram kind of yes, you know, work that yes. we that we possess all the numbers, but we yes. operate in a particular beautiful. Way. So uh, let me just reference. I've referenced it before, but it's so worth repeating. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you think about the enneagram as a reflection of the face or of God, the nature and character of God, well, then you know. You would, as a nine, mm-hmm. you would represent uh, in a very special way, manifest in a very special way, the peace of God. Mm-hmm. You would represent the faithfulness of God, the un- what I call the undying loyalty of mm-hmm. God. Uh, a five would be the wisdom uh, or the omniscience of God. Fours, the beauty and pathos of God. Threes, threes are hard to peg, but I like them as glory. Hmm. as glory of God. Two's love of God. One's the goodness of God. Not the perfection, which is what some people think, but ones are very concerned with goodness. Yeah. In the in the capital G, almost... That's uh, a lovely, soft way of talking about perfectionism because it's automatically yeah. a negative thing, but if it's good, then that's no, good. And, and no, and I actually, I try it. It's hard not to call them when you're doing helping people learn their number, not yeah. to call them perfectionists because right away they go, boom, that's mm. it. But I like to call them the improvers. Yeah, that's good. Because they can improve everything, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, and then, so six, as I just said, seven's the joy of God, and eight would be the power and justice of God, right? The might, maybe, would be another word yeah. for eights. Now, of course, those are all the facets of the dimensions of God's heart, mm-hmm. but they're pretty big buckets, right? Yes, Which brings me to nine, right? Okay. So, 
Our, this is a bit of maybe a downer, but yeah. uh, nines are on the top of the Enneagram. I was just reading Sandra Matry the other day. Do you know her? She, no. she wrote a book called The Spiritual Dimension of the Enneagram. She writes, it's very dense material, but quite good. Mm. But she talks about nine is sort of the headwaters of the Enneagram. Okay. Isn't that a nice term? Well, what does the headwaters mean? Well, I the guess. source, like the river's oh, yeah, yeah. source. Okay, okay. So, you know, it's almost as if the nine's at the top, and then it, so much of the nine comes down along both sides. And what, what she would say about that uh, is that um, the sleep quality of nines, mm-hmm. the, the way they fall asleep to themselves mm-hmm. uh, at times when they're not healthy, mm. is indicative of all of the spiritual condition of the Enneagram, which is we're all asleep okay. in our particular types. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think, again, I've said this before, so forgive me, people, but like... The reason we should, I mean, yeah, we, we, we all are nine, all we contain all nine types. We just lean into one mm-hmm. dominantly. But I think, you know, like nine is at the summit for a reason. It's because I think when they're healthy, I mean, they're just kind of the spiritual giants of the Enneagram hmm. when they're healthy. They, they, when they're awake, when mm. they're really awake mm-hmm. in that almost mystical, contemplative way. It's well, the Dalai Lama would be an example, mm-hmm. or um, you know, countless other. It's just like that's to me the paragon of mm. spirituality. Is that that's the mystical worldview? You know, it's the way of mm-hmm. seeing the world. What do you think? What do you think, Sarah? Is that true? Wait, you're asking me if that's true. Do you true? think that's true, David? <laughs> he, when he's awake. Well, I mean, really... I'm a little biased. I mean, I'm crazy. Well, let me about ask him, Anthony so, then. Like... Anthony, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know what you mean. I'm giving you a hard time. Yes, I mean, I guess, I mean, I was going to ask you, David, like, Go. how did, like, when he describes you that way, you feel? Well, <clears throat> when things are going well in the classroom, um, I can synthesize things. I can, I tell my students that difference need not be a conflict, um, but can be an opportunity, can be a breakthrough, and that disagreements, which they think, Oh, tension, oh, conflict, must avoid this. I have lately said that disagreements are the sunshine, that there's no um, real peace to be had between people unless there's a recognition of difference. And um, I think the class, when I can get a discussion going where people are really, really upset (laughs) with one another over who they voted for, or um, how they're reading the news, <clears throat> but I can nevertheless get them to enjoy listening, get people to, the a phrase that I lately use is, slow the tape. Mm. Like over, it's like, I know there's reactions that you have, but just give yourself that extra five seconds so you can respond instead of reacting. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I'm doing well in the classroom, I kind of sell almost everyone on that idea that they each have time to figure out what their best selves might bring to the conversation and be less quick to um, shut people down. So as you were describing the headwaters thing, a kind of enveloping of um, different personalities um, and trying to help them to see each other, I think that is kind of my gig. I've lately won I've been very quick since the presidential election to um find myself dramatizing 
conflicts that people seem to be um, avoiding. Like I, I have a deep sense that risk aversion is costing us everything. Mm. That people not wanting to um, offend anyone or risk um, um, kind of bringing on the wrath of someone in authority, that that's really costing our country um, big time. So it's been interesting to think of myself as a nine while also noting that I'm trying to place the facts of where we are in front of people over and over again. Yes, you are. And it's I, like, I, I how is you. that? How do, why do I keep going back um, to the record <laughs> of, of what we know about um, people in charge of us? In who, I mean, a big one. For <laughs> Feel free to edit this out if this ends up being inappropriate, but I can't get over the idea that um, an electorate and the representatives of that electorate allowed a man who has not read the Constitution and will not consent to having it read aloud to him. Um, you know, he won't be quiet enough to hear it. How we could get to the point that we would say, just go ahead and swear to uphold it. You know, mm. that, that that there's somehow, and that, that can feel like a form of obsessive compulsion to me that I'm so anxious over that kind of thing. But I do lately um, believe that sin is active flight from a lived realization of available data. Oh, say that again. Sin is active flight from a lived realization of available data. Is that like saying uh, it is the refusal to know what you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's I think so. so good. And so I feel so in that mix I am constantly trying to take people back to that. Um who do we credit and why? Who do we excuse and why? And um I think that's the that's the question. And it's not a partisan question, it's an omnipartisan question because if we only want to know um what makes our people look good and we will forcibly suppress any data, any information that makes us doubt our progress in a particular direction. I, I do think that's the the haste that is the sin that is the cover-up. Um, but nothing's hidden, really. I mean, it's all there. And it's been interesting trying to negotiate that mm. in my head. Because I think I do avoid conflict... But I think I've found it really important to kind of return to lived acknowledgement of recent history. I want to come back to that because I, what I want to know, and I'll just plant the seed of it, is okay. uh, Is that willingness or that even embracing of conflict and of not being risk-averse, mm -hmm. does it play out only in the classroom and social media or does it in, in your personal life? Oof. And I'm going to ask maybe the two of you. Uh oh, Sarah's rolling her eyes. I mean, no, I'm trying to understand the question. Well, so to me, because I, I follow you yeah. on Instagram or on Twitter, Twitter is where I. Twitter's I, the big one. Twitter is the is big in one. Danger of right? Yes. Taking over my life. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because I could, I could always, yeah, I, I go for it. I'm, 
I'm pretty. Uh, I've seen you read some pretty incend- write some pretty incendiary stuff. Yeah, not to me, but it would be to Correct. a lot of other people. Yeah. So I my risk question incendiary. is right. So my que- that is not very nine behavior. It's mm. pretty conflict in that's a, that's conflict welcoming material, yes. right? You're going to get assault, yes. uh, probably. And my question is: Is it safe for a nine to do that behind the the curtain of mm. social media? Is yeah. it safe to do in a classroom because you're in charge? Yeah. And you can you actually get to mandate or manage the conflict on your terms. I get to direct it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm asking, what is it like with your what's conflict like with your wife or your son or a dear friend? Is it as easy to do in those situations, or are you more averse to it in those mm. situations? I th- I think I do um, do well. Okay, I think one thing that I am often, and this is a phrase that. Sarah dropped on me that I am optimistic to the point of denial. Ah, um, wow. My, that I'm realistic to the point of oblivion. So I yeah. think somewhere in there That's we right. make a great team. <laughs> yes. Right? Look at you, like with the old beer, the old beer mug on That's move. right. I love it. To oblivion. Yeah. Um, now I do. I. I'm not always honest with myself. I overpromise. Um, I want to please people, and I agree to do more than I really have time for mm-hmm. sometimes. So, um, yeah, that I on social media and in the classroom and in my writing, I have felt this kind of urgency um, to. I'm a phrase. Another one I've thought dramatize your inner conflict. Or die, like we have. It's going to show up in one way or another, and um, or what was the other one that you said too? Like if you don't. Okay, yeah, this is from the Gospel of Thomas. You've heard it. If you bring forth what is within you, what is within you will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what is within you will destroy you. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was the poet Gregory Orr who brought that to my attention mm-hmm. and that sounds very right to me that's kind of one of my opening lines in most of my classes because i'm we're going to look at um sacred traditions we're going to look at poems we're going to look at wendell berry and some science fiction <clears throat> and all of it is going to invite us to be honest about the inner situation right um and but it is the case that in at home and in family um yeah, sometimes I'm I I avoid and I um, delay leveling with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, and then I act out on the Twitter. <laughs> yeah, well, that's very interesting. That is actually yeah, I, very interesting. There's easier. the passive aggression of the night. Yeah, it comes out ex- sideways. Yeah, it's an exchange. Um, yeah, and I, I I hope I don't go after people, but I do live in hope of a question. And when somebody asks me a question or says, why would you put it that way? It's like, oh, here we go. I can't wait. Like, I'm very energized by the give and take of that. Um, I would say, too, that it's actually one way you are a peacemaker because you know that there is no real peace without kind of braving through the conflict. That conflict doesn't have to be something that's going to devastate to the point of oblivion. But that's very evolved nine behavior. I agree. And that's why I wouldn't want you to kind of throw yourself under the bus Mm -hmm. because I don't think your Twitter behavior is uh, like, I still think it's 
um, a kind of peace initiative. I think so. Um, again, maybe back into the slowing the tape down, mm-hmm. that that is, that's the great gift of even in your classroom when you say, look, we're, we're going to invite conflict and yeah. you're going to find out how much more you could handle than mm-hmm. you thought. Yeah, and that right. is the gift of, that. that is like the gift of maybe even the headwaters, if you will. Like the flow won't stop. Mm-hmm. Like I promise. But that's yeah. what we're trying and to I keep from to happening, right? Like even if you're thinking about the denial of death or something like yeah. that, you're like, we do, we put up all these personas to kind of keep, the f- mm. we think the flow might stop if we... So that is that is that idea. I'm a big Carl Jung fan. Mm-hmm. So, well, as you know, I think I spoke mm-hmm. on some young stuff when we were at Lady. And that idea, like what you most need to know about yourself is in the place you least want to look. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's the, the moment in the Dagobah system when Luke um, and Yoda are at the mouth of the cave. And Yoda says, you have to go in there. Yes. And uh, Luke says, what's in there? And Yoda says, only what you take with you. Yeah. (laughs) Which is such a... If that was all we got from Star Wars. (laughs) I mean, that's a major... That is... A major, only what you take with you. That is... That is so true. Now, Sarah, can you... What I'd love to know, because, again, um, I... I do have this wonderful love for, for sixes, but I think um, you all can do a much better job of describing your own experience, but I'd like to come in on it in a different way. Can you describe what your opposite would be like? Like, in other words, what, what's the, what would be the other side of six? You know what I mean? Like, what would the opposite of your personality be like in the world? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. If I can help out with that, I think uh, you are um, hyper aware of uh, what's happening in a group of people. You have said of people, of an interaction, the electricity was all wrong. Mm. And I knew exactly what you were talking about, though I hadn't thought to put it that way. So when I try to contemplate an opposite, I think of you being aloof and unaffected and um, not thinking that everybody is infinitely valuable but you do i mean you you can't help but go to the the most insecure person in the room and try to be an encouragement yeah to them you kind of make a beeline for the hurting person even if it's a uh stranger Mm. um so the opposite would be to be unaffected you can't you can't really hide how you feel um it shows and um it you emanate awareness um even when you aren't verbalizing it it's like people can tell she can tell she can tell their tells <laughs> in a way <laughs> oh that's so good and i'll note that there's men like you um who I knew it was, it always goes great. But there are men who are less um, happy with being asked honest questions. And um, for those men, her honest question can be experienced as a kind of hex or a, or a curse or something, mm-hmm. um, even though you don't intend it that way. 
One yeah. of the things that uh, I love uh, about the Enneagram um, is beyond it being a personality inventory that simply describes traits. I think it does something really unique. Is it? Is it reminds you or describes for you the person you were before the world told you who you were supposed to be? Mm. Before all the social constructions and the you know the all, that there really is a person in there that. Mm. Well, all of us had to abandon a little bit in childhood. So I'm mm. going to go to my songwriter friend first and say, yeah. ask you this question. What, um, I don't want to put this, what were you asked, to, uh, thinking through the lens of the end again, right. what were you asked to leave behind in childhood? Huh. That's a great question. Yeah. Well, hmm. I. My first thought is my sensitivity, which is right core to the six, right? It's mm-hmm. the strength and weakness, I guess, too. Um, but there was there were there was just a lot. There was a lot to do with a lot of people growing up, and so it was going to be important to kind of make a self smaller than the um six needs room to imagine they will get support for mm-hmm. being large mm-hmm. in the feelings department so i think that's probably does that make sense yeah and i think yeah. you know when i think what can get lost for a six is because you have this you're deeply motivated by a need to feel uh safe Mm-hmm. and secure and supported, particularly by authority figures or religious structures or inst- political institutions right. or community institutions. Right. Um, that what, what gets left behind, too, and I don't want to foist this on you, so just, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. for the sake of folks listening, is um, uh, the sense that you can trust yourself, that you can trust without self Doubting and yeah. self-questioning, really. That's be a better way of saying it. Yeah. Like um, to really, like, almost re- reclaim your ground and say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm. My inner compass is accurate." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I guess that is what is at the heart of the sensitivity, right? The kind of like true north, like you've the intuition, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if yeah. anxiety is a major issue for yes. sixes, yes, so I'm sure is. you've got some funny stories. Right? <laughs> Do you have some anxiety stories? Oh my gosh! Do I have anxiety stories? Oh, well, bring it, please. I, mean, I don't. I mean, oh my gosh! I don't know. I mean, having, I'm having one right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. David just whispered, "Blue cake." A, <laughs> you have but, fear of blue cake? Well, I do. I do not have a fear of blue cake. But when I was younger, it was my maybe fifth or sixth birthday. For some reason, I wanted a blue cake, and so my mom made one. And my aunt came over, and she said, I am never coming to this house again if there's a blue cake. This is disgusting. So the blue cake ended up being this thing that represented all, right, all of the... <laughs> All personal preference. Right, yeah. Gone. It's like, God. <laughs> One of eight cake? children. I'll forget it, you know. Oh, my so gosh. So the blue cake was probably like a founding, foundational story of like what you want, what you want okay. what, or what, you know, who you are is right, like deep down. Blue cake Sarah was like, no. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I think in, in what you're also describing is little ninety, right? Which is like your preferences don't. That would be a lot big theme for a nine. Yeah. Strong theme for nine. Yeah. Which is where sixes go in health, right? Which is to the high side of nine, which is where right. all will be well, all will be well. The world is safe and my higher power's yeah. hands or in God's hands or right. whoever it may be. And, of course, you guys cross each other because when the nine's unhealthy, they go to the low side of six. And you all get paranoid. Mm. And you get a little feeling like uh, the world's a little out to get us or me. And mm. it's, you know. Uh, I dream that sometimes. You get, a, you get more. <laughs> yeah, that's all, that's all. That's the only place it shows up with David. Mm. Is what, in your dreams? In, in dreams, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, Carl There's Youngland. Here pretty, we go. Uh-huh. pretty comfortable mo- for the most part. I think so. Yeah, which is great. It's good to have. Well, this is the that. gift of each other, yes, right? Yes, that's right. Because that's you, right. when your anxiety flares sometimes, it's because you're right. You should be scared. Yeah, mm. right. You yeah, know what exactly. I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's and right. he's not scared enough. He's too chill. And yeah. when you're too scared, he gets yeah. to bring the, uh, you know, he gets to bring that's his little, right. little serotonin to the table, right. you know? That's little, right. Everything's going to be okay. It's, it's very effective. It's very all grateful good. for that, yeah. Let me bounce over to you with the same question, though, which is, what were you asked as a nine? What were you asked to leave behind in childhood? Yes. Um, well, I have a, you know, she kind of waved away the blue cake thing as perhaps incidental and not foundational. A story that I go to sometimes is the memory of doing a drawing of Godzilla um, with the name Godzilla on it and handing it to my grandmother. And she looked at it and said, there's only one God and handed mm. it back to me. Um so that's one of my early, my imagination, my love for the strange, the grotesque, the inexplicably weird. Um, the Flannery O'Connor. The Flannery O'Connor. And now I, again, um, adults say things to us and we um, misperceive or their intention the way we're struck is different from what was intended. Yes. So I, I have no doubt that I've made more of that memory um, than was what was really going on. But I think, um, yeah, the Flannery O'Connor stuff. I, I love the weird stuff. A trailer for a new Coen Brother film feels like a, a fount of eternal goodness to me. <laughs> like it's a fire hydrant of righteousness. Um because they see that it's weird, and they um, they take us through it, even when it's murder and and horrible, as O'Connor does. Um, yeah, so and so I am drawn to uh, horror films and zombie stuff and all that kind of thing because I I don't know where this would go, but um, Sarah wondered about my zombie film enthusiasm, and you got out of me an answer. Like, um, oh, yeah, I, that was a good idea. I do believe that civilization is pretty fragile and that we're all on the cusp of doing something horrible <laughs> to ourselves it and was each other. It's like that other. Saturday Night Live skit where, yeah, that, this would be too much to down. go into, but there's an old Will Ferrell skit in which the uh, it's a daytime morning show, everybody's happy, and then the uh, teleprompter breaks. And they just don't know what to do. And Will Ferrell's perfect at that because he's like, uh, why don't we 
go out to those ghettos with some swords? Like, he's describing... His subconscious is like... His subconscious is making it sway. Awful. Like, somebody better clean that... Yeah, those poor people have weapons. Like, he's... And the look on his face is one of, I didn't know you were in there, you bigoted, xenophobic thing. And so, so the teleprompter breaks and people end up dying there on the set of the show because they go straight to drinking out of skulls type stuff um and i think i think i'm drawn to that because i do think that if we acknowledge it um and that's got to be a union thing that if you acknowledge what's there it won't become fate you'll have some kind of control over it or you can you can draw it paint it tell it sing it um so i like those forms of um pop culture artifacts and novels and plays that really go heavy on the horror that could occur um because then you have some kind of control over it so a book i want to commend everybody's listening and Mm. i'm sure you guys have read it um which is robert johnson's book owning your shadow Okay. Oh, my gosh. It is a short little book. Mm. Okay. Owning Your Shadow, Robert A. Johnson. Uh, Not the blues singer, Robert Johnson. Robert A. Johnson. But that blues singer owned his shadow, to a degree. Or got owned by it. Got something, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, though, it's a... It's a short little book by a brilliant Jungian who makes it very, very simple. And for those of you who are probably maybe scratching your head, Mm. for those of you who are doing so, the shadow is that part of our uh, person uh, into which we... um, we exile or we we mm. amputate those parts of ourselves that as little people were deemed unacceptable by the culture or by our family or mm-hmm. we perceived were in uh, not compatible with what others expected of us if we and we had to get rid of them because we needed to get our needs met you know we yeah. got to eat you know and be yeah, safe and right. get all that stuff and so we cut those things off and they go into the shadow mm. right uh, and then this is why often in midlife people go like, I don't, what, like who I am is not who I am. Yeah. And I have to find mm-hmm. my real self. And mm-hmm. I, it's all that materials in the shadow. Mm-hmm. And it is some stuff that's very dark. You mm-hmm. have cut that dark energy, that piece of you off. And if you don't come deal with it, to your point, yes. it will come get you. Yes. It will come get you whether you, you know, you can put all the locks on the door you want. It's coming. Yes. It, it'll find a way out, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen that, for example, it's in like the Gabriel Teddy Haggard. Yeah. yeah. It's like in the Ted Haggards of the world or yes. in, you know, the law of the Elliot Spitzer would be a great example, right? Yes. All these people mm-hmm. who have these, sh- this shadow comes up and, you know, just, you know, yeah. that they have been, it's mm-hmm. been split off. It's just split off material. Now, interestingly, in the shadow is also what they call the golden shadow. Mm. which is all the beautiful things about you that you amputated mm. and yeah. your soul is saying i want this this is something that wants to be born through you into the world and you're not letting it mm-hmm. so the the shadow yeah. also contains very beautiful material yeah that's yeah. lovely a whole self right a whole self which is and, beautiful yes and if you can recover that and see this is what the enneagram does right it it, it actually becomes a gateway. I'm not saying it's like the panacea, but it is the mm. gateway into those kinds of conversations. If right. you're dealing with it correctly, if you're not just using it as "here's how I am," I, this is yeah. my. Way. It's like, oh, please right. stop waving the the eight flag or the seven flag and saying this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's not who you are at all. Right. Yeah. That yeah. is actually a persona wrapped around your true self. 
Mm-hmm. I just want to show you what that is so you can get over it and manage it so it's not such a distraction yeah. so that you can actually start to work on what's your soul mm-hmm. into the deepest places. Yeah. But very few people do it, actually. Mm. They, they really just want to use the Enneagram as sort of a trait thing that, oh, that makes sense out of why I've had three marriages. Let's continue. I mean, it's like, right, yeah. sure. it just doesn't really go anywhere. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's sort of a sad deal. All right, so now, Sarah, what... In your in in your marriage together, like um, I'm on daring ask a daring yeah. question. You ready? Okay. What do you love most about David, and what about him most drives you crazy? <laughs> uh, what I love most about David, and what most drives me crazy. Well, I think that there is. I love so much of what we've already kind of talked about in David that he's kind of got this access to a peaceful state of mind and that's a real I think that's a real gift in a world full of fear from my standpoint point anyways um I think there's a kind of unselfconscious equanimity too to the way mm. he interprets all the strange things like literally when we were talking about the horror films. It was like an interview. It was like, who are you? Like, so <laughs> we've known each other for however many years, you know. What is it about this genre that you keep going back to? Because it clearly didn't appeal to me in the same way. But I really wanted to know. And um, David's always up for a very beautiful tangent. Like, there's no tangent that's a time constraint. It's all roads lead back to something potentially interesting, mm. which makes for a whole interesting life, right? So nine, it's like too. super and super authentic. I think that's probably a word that gets used or overused or whatever. But so I love that, and something that drives you crazy drives me crazy about nine, as, and you know, through the lens of the enneagram, maybe. I think the things that tend to drive me crazy about anybody, though, are probably things that I haven't figured out how to have equanimity in the face of. So I think it says as much about or more about mm-hmm. me than it does about David. Mm-hmm. But it would probably have to be the uh, – I, I love to plan, and that's not something – Yes, you do. That Yeah. <laughs> and there are plenty of things you just can't plan for. I That's been my work, too, but – um, but there are some things you really can plan for, and it's like a puzzle. It's interesting to me. That's that's kind of my thing. Um, and I I think there are times when I think it doesn't matter how many ways I try to explain this love. It's not on that beautiful map that has so many interesting things in his perception land. And I can, and then that can send me into my place of like. Am I in another country? Am I am, am I alone in this? Is this like who's right? Like is well, your fear that I'm just spinning. I, I try to pay you, and I mean it. Yeah. When I express deep amazement for who you are and what you say, right? And, and you're thriving um, in interactions with people in your work and <clears throat> and all of it, but you have a fear that I'm just spinning um as i seem to be capable of doing with any number of situations right like i'm i'm just really good at 
a positive spin. Yes. That may not be true. Well, I think that's how you perceive me saying, like talking about your spinning, though. Yeah. Because I would say I'm not actually dogging myself, to use an old term Mm -hmm. from Detroit growing up. It's more just like I'm trying to hold up, I'm trying to read from the book of what happened. And what happened sounds bad, Mm -hmm. but it's really just the preface to what can become better based on what happened. So it's actually yeah. quite an analytical look at, you know, it's like this this broke down and everybody's okay. But mm-hmm. the fact of me going back to the breakdown can feel like the wet blanket. But really it's kind of like trying to piece together the structure to find out what was weak about it mm-hmm. so that we build something better next time. Does right. that make so, sense? Totally. So and it's like a, it's a pretty like detailed thing yeah. that is understandably not interesting, but from a certain quiet perspective, it will keep us building something that won't fall apart in that way again. Mm-hmm. It might fall yeah. apart in another way. So what I, what I hear you saying is that, that you're in, in sixes – are planners yeah big planners nines not so much no nines uh i'd love to see your lesson plans uh you there's nothing there (laughs) yeah it's like tumbleweeds like literally (laughs) like in that file on the computer it's like there's a syllabus and there's stuff we're gonna read but i like it being directed by a question that arises at the beginning. Yeah. And there it is. And, and it works. Plan it. And, and that's it a domain yeah. I would I lift up and like, isn't mm. that cool? That's yes. amazing. And like, it would drive some people. If you crazy. have his intellect. If you, you yeah, you know his I mean? memory recall is like, I'm sorry, wind what? You're right. So but I would say so your your sixes, five, sixes and sevens, sixes though really. Big, big planners. Part of that is worst case scenario planning. Mm-hmm. And also it sounds like what you're doing is autopsy, right? You're you're like, okay, what went wrong? It's yeah. almost like, okay, if I can figure out what went wrong, we can prevent that from happening in the future. Yes. Which is kind of a worst case scenario prep thing. It's like I'm gonna do my research to make sure that worst case thing that did happen will not happen again. Right. Is that is that yes. kind of what I mean? And I would to kind of like, you know, pump up the jams for the sixes, I would say <laughs> That the things that we're autopsying is that the is that a word? It is now. Yeah, it it's is verbicide, now. but we'll take it. Um, they there are things that have to do with human thriving, mm. not like mm-hmm. petty things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I will I will say that that that's kind that can be a real gift. From, yes, but I think that's a reflection of your depth because I grew up around a lot of sixes, and mm. some of it was kind of petty. It mm. was things like you know. I won't bore our people because they've heard me talk about this before, but it was things like, you know, um, you know, if you see a bag with no uh, unattended on the street, run. <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, um, when you, uh, if you have a pain in your chest, it's not gas. Oh, it's, 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 it's a bypass. Oh, I'm Get so to sorry. the emergency room. You know what I mean? Oh, it was sort of I like, hope yeah. I'm not uh, It was always like waiting. Waiting for the, you know, and part yes. of it was too, is this Cold War world, you know, and everything was about to go mm. wrong and, you know, get yeah. the canned goods in the basement and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like, you know, whatever. It was, um, yeah. you know, kind of that stuff, you know, it was yeah. down into the minuscule. I'm so I sorry. Think, no, 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 no. Like I said, therapy. I've had a lot of therapy. It's, right. it's all good. been lather, That's rinse, great. repeat. It's yeah. all good. 
you know um, I'm so glad I came around to talking about me anyway the four is now just going oh thank god um, <laughs> oh Ian <laughs> like Stephen Fry I just went all Stephen Fry okay so um, hero of mine anyway uh, w- what I wanted to say though was spinning on the nine when you talk about spinning, are you talking about inertia? Like just sort of spinning and it's just not going anywhere? It's not getting forward momentum? No, what do you mean by spinning? great question. No, this would be spinning a positive yeah. look oh, on things. Oh, spinning, spinning, like right. reframing. Like, like, yep. Yes, oh. right? So it's kind of like, well, you know, it wasn't necessarily bad. And it's like, well, I'm not saying it was bad. I'm actually just it's talking what about what happened, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, but I, yeah. So there's a there's a bit of a a breakdown there. Yeah, but, I've late, as we've grown together, I've gotten better at when facts are presented. It's like hold off. You know that you can come up with a story that's see. It's good that this happened, right? So I check myself. Is that to is that to sustain inner peace? Like you just don't want to live with the distance of the fact that no, well, actually, I can't see any redemption in that occurrence. Mm. I think it's, um, well, I am speaking of our Sarah and me talking about things. And I know that I have it within me to explain something away um, before I've had the opportunity to register the Mm -hmm. fact of it. Okay. So I think I've, I think I've been helped in that, um, in our conversations. So, yes. And I would say as a six too that there are some sorrows that are worth kind of being yep. in for a while yeah. that, that mm. that's part of the work of the six not being afraid too is practicing mm-hmm. being afraid mm. and yes. not letting it overwhelm you so that you're someone who can really be with another person who's going through a tremendous amount of conflict yeah which is certainly what I experience every day. I, do you know I work at a library? I don't know if you knew that. Yes, I did. At a junior high school library. and uh, Where there are many dramas, probably. Many traumas. And a whole math full of mini traumas of kid realities, you know, passing through your very real physical space. And where do you put that? How do you hold it? How do you be with people? And then also walk away you know, intact and not afraid or paranoid about the culture. Mm-hmm. And this is where we, you know, David is talking about the culture in really large theoretical spaces. Mm-hmm. He lives it, too. I would say mm-hmm. that for sure. I don't think it has I to be compartmentalized. At a public school I don't think it's comparable. Yeah. But I'm, what I'm saying is that there are different ways that people practice these um these these things these um mm-hmm. you know ways of talking about ideas and how they yeah. play out and that kind of thing and we have we have very different ways of doing that but but it's the same topics i guess yes. May, i'm getting off a little bit no but. no it's good so let's flip it david uh and by the way sarah we have to do a song so i you are not leaving here you are a brilliant singer songwriter. We are not leaving here without a little Sarah Mason goodness. I we are not doing that. Love so, to play a song. Great. so, David, what what is it that you love most about being married to Sarah the Six, and what is it that drives you crazy about Sarah the Six? Okay, so she is relentlessly, accidentally lyrical. Um, her lines, I feel like one of my 
reasons for being is to write down the things she says and doesn't realize hurry up and that matter she said for them. example yeah. no i've made a lot of that phrase um that made it into my dissertation actually hurry up and matter oh. um but yeah just a relentless i said one time if apocalyptic is unveiling if apocalyptic is an unmasking of things she emanates apocalyptic she is always um inviting people um to be truer in their characterization of themselves in what hurts them and what they're inspired by she used to ask people who read what have you read lately that changed your mind which Mm. is a great question i don't ask that that much anymore (laughs) okay but now you'll say what do you love you don't want to ask people what do they do for a living it's what do you love Mm. and that's a lovely question to be asked um and to try and mull over. Um, so there's that. And she's really, um, I can get sort of dark with my humor. Um, but she's even darker. <laughs> I mean, she really is. And she doesn't unleash it on people. I mean, like every couple of days, she'll say something really dark. And I'll just laugh. And it's like, no one knows. I am the only. <laughs> I wish you had an example. You I am the. Share, I'm not but you're probably going to do that. I'm the lone audience to to her deep awareness of the deep darkness. I I think the horror films can kind of make me more aware of what's out there. She's always already there, um, already. Um, feeling deeply in her bones that this is a dangerous world or these are the things that could happen or this is like where human beings can go it's like uh so maybe on the drive me crazy thing it is as if no um positive reinforcement or compliment deep compliment um can last for long for her for her receiving it yes Um. yeah so i want her to know her own um, success and thriving, and you knocked it out of the park with that kid at the library or with that song or with all of that. And so what a, a deep longing for her is that she would really know not just her own worth, but her own, and success isn't the right word, um, a sense of her own thriving. Um, mm. And that can sometimes seem elusive well you know six is yeah six is forget successes and so everything yeah. the feels, right hand doesn't know what the left hand is right doing. so let's yeah. say you you know you just you know you just did a 10 night run at madison square garden and every mm. single night people rush the stage just to touch the hem of your garment you, you know four months later when you're playing at madison square garden you'd be fretting a lot of times because you have to remind the six you, you do remember that four months ago you just did 10 <laughs> nights of sold out yeah. shows and everybody adored you and they'd be like well this time it's like almost it, there's a little bit of yeah. Mm, uh, so I remind and, uh, her of the compliments a lot. Yeah, and and, yeah. and of successes, and and also I think sixes struggle with success because it puts a spotlight on them, and mm. when they're in the spotlight, it makes them anxious because it's like, well, now I'm more vulnerable to attack. Everybody can see me. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never mean, thought of that. Now I will. Yeah, I'm just well, kidding. I mean, sixes. I mean, that's a that's a textbook. That's not original to me. That's a very textbook uh, sort of characterization of sixes, and the, as mm. they explain out of their own experience, it's like, well, I don't mind it for a little while. I like mm. to be recognized, but I don't want to be recognized for too long because then I'm I'm 
out there in the public eye or I'm more vulnerable, you know, because I'm exposed uh, or held up individually. And I'd rather be corporately, you know. Part of something, yeah. Where it's safer. If I'm in the middle of the herd... Yeah, I don't want to be separated from the herd. You all know what happens to impalas when they, you know, get separated from the herd. Mm. They get picked off. It's like, no, I want to be inside the herd. So they want to be out for a little bit, but not so long that uh, they get no over noticed. Mm. Does that ring true? Or I think, well, I think so. I don't know. I don't the know. scope is a big thing for a very healthy. What's the scope? What can we actually do? What can? Who can we? Um, we're we're very hospitable people. Um, but a worry is we get stretched so thin that we're not present to each other mm-hmm. or we aren't present to people who have good reason um, to expect more attentiveness of us. And I'll note quickly that in the 90s when um, when we met, Sarah had a record deal and her music was on television and she was playing pretty big crowds. And what was always interesting was she... Um, that thing where somebody gets to a place where they don't have time for all of the people that like your music, um, she was always going to have time for anybody who had a question. She was never going to think of um, people who loved what she did as anything other than conspirators, collaborators, community to her. Yeah, um, yeah part and, of a, a large whole, which is maybe kind of what we started the whole conversation about, which is we all kind of possess the face of God, right? Like there's so many things I admire about fours, right? The ability to be a strong individual self in the midst of so much conformity, so much really harmful conformity, right? Mm-hmm. And so much fear-driven and success-driven and wrong motives toward you know, whatever. And that's that's so much energy. That's like a majority energy in the world, right? It's like misplaced desire, right? Or avoidance or all these other things we kind of hit on a little bit. But the four is like this beautiful example of kind of here's where Mm -hmm. we aren't going to kind of have to justify beauty and value right now we're just gonna be Mm. fully alive in us and go there and trust that this is gonna be the right thing kind of thing that's a real Mm. gutsy beautiful thing i see i mean there's little points like that in every single individual and i think when it comes to us person like our kind of operation we are trying to live in a balanced way that's Mm -hmm. You know, to be as whole as we can with the tools we have at this moment in time and admit where we're wrong and all those things, which so is that, over and over. And with, again, bringing us back to the beginning, you're, what you're saying is, I think, and, and so I don't want to be presumptuous, but what I hear you saying is we want to live as awake as we can. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Wholeness. Yes. <clears throat> and so whatever... There's so there's just myriad distractions, right? Legion, really, if you want to get biblical. Mm-hmm. And what can we do to get back to helpful center? You know, these the, the numbers help us to kind of keep identifying with the ways that we distract ourselves yes. from ourselves yes. from that true center, right? Yeah. So it's kind of hat tipping to neuroses, like, oh, hello, little neuroses, there you are. Yes, yeah. That's like I see awakeness. you and I bow to you, and oh, I love I'm gonna that. go do this thing that you're gonna be nervous about. 
little neurosis six. Yeah. But we're going to be fine. I've You're got Dave here. Right? Got yeah. Ian. That's a wig. That's wakefulness. <laughs> Mr. Skinner. <laughs> and I love that. And this is not an original idea to me. I wish it was, but I haven't heard it in very many places. Which is, you know, people always ask me, what number is Jesus? They always ask me, what number is Donald Trump? What number is Jesus? Two, two most predictable questions mm-hmm. I get. And I always tell people, you know that big white field in the middle of the Enneagram? That's Jesus' time. Mm-hmm. He's not on the wheel. You know what I mean? Like he's, yeah. He is in the middle where all of that is available. It's like he knows. Contains multitudes. Yes, yeah. it contains multitudes. He knows what to do, when to do it, the, the measure to which he should do it. And he does it for the right reasons. It's just like Aristotle, right? With all the virtues. It's like he does, it, does the right thing at the right time in the right measure for the right reasons, you know? And he has access to peace when he needs it. And if he needs to, it's almost like a color wheel, right? Oh, we need a little eight and we need another little two at the same time. And so, you know, if these are, if one is white and the other one's black, we're going to find the gray here and, mm-hmm. and we're going to lob that at this situation. So it's, it's this, this is that part of the Enneagram, which is really the big word here is discernment. Which mm-hmm. of these, what does love require of me right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It requires me to be a nine when mm-hmm. I really feel like being an eight. Or it's like, mm-hmm. no, but I'm awake. Mm-hmm. So I know what the moment requires, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And this moment requires a Sarah Mason song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I may have one. That was me trying to transcend my sickness without denying my sickness. Sickness. Your sickness. <laughs> sickness. Sickness. Yeah, sickness. Yeah. What do you want the enneagram? I'm a sick. There were about. Uh, there was a while where Dave was not what we called non-traditionally employed, yes. and this is when we um, read the Pema book. Yeah. yeah. By the way, while you're while you're getting ready to go there, just because I want people to know about it. First yeah. of all, that book is a fabulous book, and the title is again. Um, the places that the scare places you. That yes, scare you. And there's another book of hers I love, which is "When Things Fall Apart." Oh yeah, mm. that's a good one too. Okay, and so yeah. for sixes, boy, are those two great books or what? Yeah, when yeah, things fall they apart. Are, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Sarah, tell us tell us about this song. Okay. Um, what books did we read to each other when you were non-traditionally employed? We would have read James Carr's Finite, Finite and Infinite, Infinite Games, Games, another great I book. I read that book on your oh, suggestion. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And the Pima Chodron. Yeah. And uh, a lot of Thich Nhat Hanh. Thich Nhat Hanh, that's right. And Daniel Berrigan, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so these were a little bit scary. Dave was looking for a job, and uh, we, we thought we might have to, you know, like, move out of the house and I mean it was just tough so this is a song called employment this was me comforting ourselves pen to paper write it out the poetry the mystery the tiny seed the growing tree the history in the cupboards wondering what will we eat 
see love in provisation flower water yeast alchemy is it enough we make it I just feel like that was such a perfect benediction and, and like it, you know I love it when you know that there's like those nanoseconds after the song is over that hang the silence is so audible mm-hmm. as that hangs yeah. like you know a little moat in the moats in the <laughs> in the sun shafts you yeah. know, and you just like float there like little mm-hmm. slow the tape down Slow yep. the tape Slow down. The so I'm <laughs> so grateful for that. You have a new single out, don't you? Like you, what, what, had, tell me about that. Well, the... I had a single that came out in January, right? And then um, oh. there's another one. Oh yeah, um, the Three Strangers. Right. And um, that's from a poem, isn't it? Is it Dylan you, Thomas? You draw from Gregory Orr and uh, Dylan Thomas. Yeah, yeah. but it's uh, Charlie Peacock. Charlie produced, produced it. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And he's working on some more too. We're just we're getting ready to release some more. Which is great. When's that dropping? When? We don't know yet. Okay. And where do people go to find out? iTunes, yeah. And my website, sarahmason.com. And that's with an E, everybody. It's with an E. Thank you. S-A-R-A-H-M-A-S-E-N. Yes. We want to make sure that you go to the right place, because who knows who sarahmason.com is with an O. We just don't need to know. We don't need to know. Um, but David's also got a book that's being reissued, which yep. we're really excited yes, about. Yes, tell us. Yes, okay. So Life's Too Short to Pretend You're Not Religious was the last book, and the revised version of an old one is The Possibility of America. And that's Ooh, well timed. In March. Yeah. Well timed. I believe so. Mm. I love the two of you. We oh, love you, too. We love you. We Thank do. You for it's us. so 
good. I wish we could just do five episodes right now, but we, you, <laughs> we have children and a life to That's live true. and things to plan well, we've got more yeah. and things to spin. That's right. <laughs> so much spinning. <laughs> There's the show title. Anyway, we love you both on Typology, and please come again. And I give you, I give you my little. I bow to the divine one in you, and I say namaste to you two and to all our listeners of Typology. Until next time, remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde: "Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken." Man, it was such a pleasure to have David Dark and Sarah Mason on our show today. And I want to remind all of you folks that, again, we've created a few great holiday products that will let you share the gift of the Enneagram with your family, your friends, and your co-workers this year. Right now, we're offering Enneagram mugs and t-shirts for all nine types. So, if you're looking for something extra special and fun to put under the family tree as a stocking stuffer or as a gift of appreciation to give a coworker or team member, look no further, friends. Go to www.iancron.com forward slash shop to get one now. Joy and peace to you. <laughs>